Are you looking for postpartum support in 2021? Are you ready to feel loved up, nourished and treated like an absolute queen after your baby is born? Then I might be the postpartum doula for you. Visit my website www.postpartumwithsteph.com, download my offerings and if you like what you see, email me at postpartumwithsteph at gmail.com. I have a range of in-home support packages along with online support and mini packages too. I would love to hear from you if you are ready to rock life after birth. This episode of Postpartum with Steph was recorded on the stolen land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. This land always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to Postpartum Stories with Steph, candid conversations with mums and sometimes dads about the precious yet chaotic time that is life after birth. My name is Steph, woman, warrior, wife, mother, coffee lover and feminist. I'm a postpartum doula in Melbourne and you can find me on Instagram at postpartum underscore with underscore Steph with a PH. Through this podcast, I will chat to women and birthing people in a real and raw way about their postpartum experience. So sit back, grab a cuppa, even if it's cold, take off your bra and enjoy. Welcome to episode 23 of Postpartum Stories with Steph. We are officially in season two of the podcast, which is really exciting. Uh, Today I am joined by Jaren Soloff. Uh, Jaren's a registered dietitian and international board certified lactation consultant based in the US. Jaren combines her expertise as a skilled nutrition therapist and lactation consultant to support individuals looking to heal their relationship with food and body. And this is something that is so important in postpartum because we need to support ourselves nutritionally. And we also have this immense pressure to bounce back. And I say that in inverted commas. Um, Just a word of warning, this is an anti-diet conversation. We don't talk about diets in our chat or tips on how to lose weight. That's not what this is about. Um, The other thing we talk about is uh, Jaren has pulled together all of her amazing knowledge um, to create a book called The Postnatal Cookbook. Um, This includes 75 um, beautiful recipes that are ideal to have in postpartum, um, but also really great to just have at any time because they're nutritionally um, dense and easy to make. Uh, So you can buy the book um, on Amazon, or if you're in Australia, you can buy it uh, via Booktopia. Um, Today, we chat about how to look after yourself nutritionally in postpartum. We also chat about the book, obviously, um, and we talk about body image, um, especially in postpartum and the pressure to bounce back after birth. Um, You can connect with Jaren on Instagram. I will leave her um, account handle in the show notes and her website and details of where you can purchase her book. And I hope that you enjoy today's episode. So Jaren, thank you so much for joining me today um, from across the other side of the world. (laughs) Yes. Um, 
I'd love to know a little bit about who you are and the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I will dive in because who I am and the work that I do are so intertwined um, in the best way. Um, so I am a registered dietitian and a international board certified lactation consultant and mom as well. Mm-hmm. And my, um, I have a private practice it's called Full Circle. And um, I'll talk a little bit more about how I kind of came to that, but it's really a result of my own experiences personally kind of coming full circle and being able to use those tools and serve moms. So I um, provide nutrition counseling in the nutrition area, and I also provide lactation support in my practice. Mm, Really, really important things for women in postpartum, um, which is amazing. So what is a postnatal nutritionist? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I don't know if there really has been something that has been so defined up until this point where, you know, many dietitians or nutritionists, we kind of sometimes use the change interter- interchangeably, um, have really not maybe specialized or paid so much attention to the postpartum period because just don't think there's been enough awareness or research into there are specific needs around postpartum. So what I do is, you know, I've done quite a bit of research and then also just listening and experiences of my clients and understanding what some of those needs are um, during postpartum. So, you know, there are some certain nutrients that might be supportive to help with postpartum recovery. Um, There's lots of different concerns around mental health and weight. So a postpartum or nutritionist really takes into mind all those different aspects. And another huge piece of it is definitely, you know, if an individual is wanting to breast or chest feed, um, that can be part consultation in the postpartum nutrition realm as well. Mm. And it really is an area that seems to be a bit forgotten. I mean, postpartum care in Australia is not the best. It's really baby focused, which is important, but you know, there's not really any information around how we should be looking after ourselves and our bodies, um, by way of, um, nutrition and food and how to look after our mental health. I know that you've recently written a book, which is amazing. (laughs) Um, I would love it if you could, um, tell me a little bit about, you know, how that came to fruition and what is in the book. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, it was so fascinating to me that I was actually approached by the publisher for this book. Um, and they had a specific kind of title and topic in mind about postpartum nutrition and really thought that I would be a good fit because of the work and the services that I already offer. Um, and honestly, it was just such a dream come true because it was something that I had hoped to put out just on my own. But I think when you're on your own. It's like, well, how in the world do you get started writing a book? How does that even happen? Right. Yeah. Um, so they had this idea in mind and the publisher was really open and flexible to, you know, what I kind of wanted to make it be. So they had an idea to include recipes for moms during postpartum, which I think is wonderful. Um, but I also really wanted to add in a little bit more about what are some of the actual nutrition needs during postpartum. 
and you know how do we support women in actually making it happen too and all the different variables whether it's you know breastfeeding whether it is supporting mental health um, conversations around weight all those different pieces kind of make up postpartum nutrition so um, the book is divided into those kind of two sections there's the initial more like text in the beginning which is more of this background information and um, requirements. And then there's the actual recipes where some of the pieces that I discussed in the earlier part of the book really carry over into the recipes. So all of the recipes are really designed around what I found in the research around what moms really need during that time. So that's a little bit about how I organize the book in that way. Mm. And I've had, I've been able, I've been lucky enough to have a look at the book and some of the recipes look amazing. I can't wait to make them for my postpartum clients. Um, I wish I had something like that for myself a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Um, but what are some of the nutritional um, needs or requirements that women should sort of be looking at after they've um, had a baby? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. So I think there's probably one piece segue to kind of think about too, and that like how I positioned the book is, is a little bit different because of my practice and because of the type of um, services that I offer to mom. And that's that, you know, a lot about the nutrition information. However, I am what's called an anti-diet dietitian. So mm -hmm. I don't prescribe diets. I don't prescribe weight loss. Um, I help my clients reach what's called intuitive eating, uh, which is what our babies do, where they eat when they're hungry and stop when they're full and food is good or bad. So that's really the framework that I use to write the book. Um, I also support many women who are either in eating disorder recovery or maybe have had a, a history of disordered eating or even chronic dieting or weight stigma um, and support some of those individual needs during postpartum. So I just wanted to share that because that kind of shifts a little bit of our mindset is around like, well, what are the nutrients that I need? And like, what is it that I need to eat? Yeah. Um, which is definitely in there, but the framework is really different and it's about, you know, okay, here's some general nutrition information. Um, for example, women need increased protein after delivery, right? But that's going to depend if you had a cesarean section, then you're going to have higher protein and fluid needs. Mm -hmm. um, and if you were in labor for, you know, let's say over 24 hours, you're going to have even higher needs. Mm -hmm. um, so there's no specific mathematic equation of this is how much energy or nutrition you need. But what I teach my clients to do and what I talk about in the book is if we can work on on getting you back in touch with your body and being an intuitive eater, I can teach you how to eat again, mm. which sounds kind of crazy. Um, but we really lose how to eat because mm. dieting and diet culture, we just get really taken away from it. Um, so once you have that ability to be in tune with your body, you can really meet most of your nutritional needs in that way. Um, and you compare it with some of the information in the book. So for example, like, okay, yeah, I'm healing. I need a little bit more protein. Um, there's some specific nutrients, like for example, vitamin D is really important for moms who are breast or chest feeding and, um, some other, what we call micronutrients in there, but overall, I think it's really about 
getting back in touch with our bodies to meet our nutrition needs. Yeah. And that's really important that you mention. you know, this isn't a book about how to lose weight or um, how to diet or anything like that, because it's really the last thing that women need after they give birth, because there's already way too much pressure um, to bounce back. I say in inverted commas. Um, Yeah. So it's really about, like you said, that intuitive eating and, you know, understanding what your body needs. Um, I'm interested to know what are some of the main, um, the main reasons why women work with you? Like what, what are the issues that they're sort of um, facing? Mm-hmm. So I work on what's, what I kind of consider this like spectrum of that, you know, might be a full blown eating disorder that I'm working with. Um, And that, you know, unfortunately can happen like throughout pregnancy and even during postpartum. And we've even had some research to show that eating disorders in women who are postpartums are increasing. Um, And I'm really interested, I don't have the answer, but I think a lot of it has to do not only with our you know, systems postpartum that are kind of broken, right? Um, so not having enough support, but also the increase in rise in postpartum depression and anxiety um, because eating disorders are so closely linked, you know, their mental health disorders, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing an increase in those. So I see, you know, full-blown diagnoses also, you know, women who just want to have a better relationship with food and body image. I kind of hear the same script around like, you know, pregnancy was the first time where I ever allowed myself full permission to have what I wanted or the first time where, um, you know, I didn't have control over weight or weight loss. And then, you know, postpartum comes around and our bodies feel totally foreign. And, you know, there might be so many different shifts and a lot of moms are just done dieting and want to feel better for themselves, but also, you know, the relationship between, you know, is having our children and not wanting to pass on food and body image concerns to our children. That Mm -hmm. is probably the crux of what moms come to me about is how can I heal my relationship with food? Because I really don't want to pass this on to my kids. Yeah. That really resonates with me. Like I feel that a hundred percent and like I'm at the moment, just going through a lot of not loving my body and, you know, not really appreciating it for what it's done. And like, it's such a hard thing. I I put up a post on Instagram about this last night and it was a really, really vulnerable thing for me to do, to share about, about how I'm feeling about my body. And I just got so many comments and messages from, from mothers and, like this is happening to everyone. Like it is so, um, it's just so common for us to be in a place where we don't love our bodies or we want to change them or fix them. And it kind of makes me feel quite angry that we've got this culture of bouncing back and, you know, that we should basically not look like we've even been pregnant. Um So it's just, I love that you're doing this. I wish there was like a million of you and we could all have our own personal Jaren to to be our little champion. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. 
Yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I shared a little in the intro, but this is, this was my aunt. Um, my daughter's nine now, but, you know, I had struggled um, with an eating disorder and had been in recovery coming into, you know, finishing my training as a dietitian and then became a mother and felt so passionate about there's got to be more women who have had this experience, you know, whether they've had a full-blown eating disorder or not. I mean, unfortunately, our culture is toxic in the ways of messaging around weight and body size. So we are all interfacing with that. And I think postpartum, that time just needs to be protected in that, you know, diet culture is also really trying to get its grips on moms and postpartum and really targeting them, mm, right? They yeah. know that it's a pain point and it's a vulnerability. Um, but I think that my work is to really push back on it and to, you know, protect and preserve that time. So, mm. you know, that's a, a huge part of why I feel the need to protect it. Yeah. And I mean, I guess diet culture sort of thrives on making money. So they see this, this niche kind of corner of the world where, you know, vulnerable women will pay lots of money to, you know, do what they need to do. But um, yeah, I guess it's not necessarily the answer if we're not really accepting who we are. So um in your book, you talk about the village and how in, you know, other cultures, you know, in years gone by, there's women being supported by families and, um, you know, really big sort of communities and how, you know, in the Western culture now we've kind of lost that. Yes. Um, I would love to hear from you about how we kind of help recreate that village in the 21st century because this is something that I'm I'm always talking about with my clients and you know some things work for some people but you know other people don't have family nearby or um that kind of thing so I would love to hear from you about that mm -hmm. absolutely yes I think you know I shared a little bit of the research that's out there that shows specifically some of the different practices in non-western cultures and um, there were some great you know books out there first 40 days the fourth trimester and they talk at length about this and the different um, cultural but also nutritional practices you know not only do women in these other cultures have support which is huge um, but there's also you know a nutrition component where there's usually meals being prepared for them and so that is so different from the reality that you know I'm in the U.S. right um, where we're being kind of pushed back into work six weeks um, after we give birth where, you know, we really don't have that support, especially around food. So, um, in terms of cultivating that, I think the hope is that we're shifting this framework overall, right. By the work that you're doing and providing that support for moms and trying to really kind of shift that narrative. However, you know, when it comes to nutrition, I think really planning for postpartum, which I know is also something that you work with your clients on. So whether mm -hmm. it's having a postpartum doula or, you know, when it comes to the nutrition piece, doing as much prep in terms of freezing or preparing things ahead of time um, and not creating barriers for ourselves. So 
when I was looking at some of the nutrition information from some of those references, you know, there was a lot of references to like slow cooked stews and things that are very nutrient dense, but these take hours to prepare. Um, and, and I, you know, just thought, and I was like, this would be wonderful if I had a chef, but I don't. So what's going to be practical for me? Like, what do I need nutrition wise that I also can prepare in like 20 minutes? Um, because that's about maybe max how much time I have to prepare some items. So, um, Hopefully I'm, I'm getting the question. I know I'm going in a, in a circle here, no, but it's fine. yeah, cultivating the support. I mean, that's all part of it is like, we want to change the framework overall. Our society needs to change to make that happen, to support women better, mm. but let's work with what we have and seek out postpartum doulas or bringing in family or friends or setting up a meal train, mm. um, getting items that are frozen or canned or ready to prepare pair. And I think when I say those, a lot of moms kind of like, Ooh, like clinch, like, are you sure? Like, is that okay? It's like, yeah, that's mm. actually can be really supportive during that t- this time. Yeah. And it's interesting how you mentioned too, about, you know, some of the meals that are in, um, that are sort of recommended in postpartum, uh, you know, those slow cooked meals or things that are going to take a lot of time. And I've noticed as well in, with some recipes, like, you can tell that it's it's put in the book for someone else to make for you because I know like for me, if I had a two-week-old, I don't necessarily have, you know, the cane sugar whatever thing in the pantry, you know, like I don't have the the special kind of ingredients that you need to get from a, you know, an independent supermarket. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, it's really about um, just having stuff that's accessible as well um and I guess affordable because I guess that's another barrier as well so um Mm -hmm. there's some really beautiful recipes in a whole lot of different books but um it really is as simple as just yeah making them ahead of time and having them in the freezer and Mm -hmm. asking people to bring you things (laughs) yes or you know I think the postnatal cookbook what I had in mind too and I mentioned there was like you know tabbing the recipes too and when people ask you know how they can how they can help or you know if they can bring anything when they stop by or whatever it might be I mean tab these or send them to them and um you know oh I was really interested in this recipe or it would be so helpful if you know um when you're here like we could work on a batch or two of this and I know we all have a really hard time, I think, as moms asking for help and asking for what we need, but this can kind of serve as a medium of like, this is going to meet my nutrition and this is going to help me heal. And here's all the information for you. Yeah. And being really specific too, because it's really nice Mm. when people bring you a lasagna, but you really don't need 10 of them in your freezer. (laughs) (laughs) exactly yes it's for some reason all about the casseroles which are wonderful and super cozy and comforting but you know there are some nutrition pieces that might be supportive to moms that aren't just going to be lasagna or casseroles Mm. are there any foods that should be avoided in postpartum Mm. yeah that's a, a common question I think when it comes to more so when it comes to like breast milk Mm. Um, I think there's a lot of different myths that we hear around spicy foods or what we call like um, gassy foods with certain vegetables. 
Um, but specifically for postpartum, there's really no food that you 100% need to avoid. Um, mm -hmm. There's no perfect diet you have to have in order to breastfeed, to have you know, breast milk that's nutrition, nutritionally sound for your baby. Um, if you are breastfeeding, then your baby might be sensitive um, to spicy or gassy foods, depending on if you introduced it throughout the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, unless there was some huge change from pregnancy to postpartum, your baby will be able to tolerate it because they've already been introduced to it throughout pregnancy. Yeah. I'd love to talk to you about, um, about food and about how, how much to eat and um, and I don't mean that in a diet sense. I mean, if you are breastfeeding, obviously any woman who's breastfed or chest fed will know how hungry you get. Mm -hmm. um, so can you tell me a little bit about some foods or um, some ways we can look after ourselves um, to make sure that we're meeting our own, you know, nutritional needs, but also that we're, you know, feeling full and feeling well, <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yes. I second the, you know, being ravenous or really hungry during postpartum. Um, and I think most of us are really surprised by that after mm -hmm. birth too, and seeing what our body really needs. But, um, you know, I kind of think about this framework I talk about in the book too, of trying to create these like eating windows. Um, so one of the pieces that can be really helpful in managing increased appetite is trying to have some food, you know, every three to four hours, it just tends to work well in supporting a regular blood sugar and stops you from getting to that point of being really hangry, which mm. none of us need during postpartum. <laughs> um, but I would say, you know, whenever you do have an eating quote, quote, window or opportunity, we really want to try to maximize the amount of nutrition in there. And a big way we can do that is through dietary fats. So fats examples are you know, avocado, nuts, oils, um, those are going to add a good amount of energy and calories, um, but they're not going to contribute a ton of volume. So, you know, it would take you a long time to eat a really high volume meal, but if you add a tablespoon of peanut butter or whatever it is, that's going to add a lot of bang for your buck. Mm -hmm. So that's one way we can kind of stay on top of our nutrition is by adding some of those really nutrient dense foods to our meals. Um, and being able to have it hold us over for a little longer. Mm. And you mentioned before about some of the myths in terms of um, food and breastfeeding. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that because I know, I think I got told don't eat tomatoes because the baby will get gassy. And I'm like, but tomatoes are pretty much in everything, you know, <laughs> like they're in soups and they're in stews and, you know, I like tomatoes. <laughs> so yep. what's the deal with tomatoes? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, it's, you know, if you asked every breastfeeding mom, like what foods they were told to avoid, you would probably find so many different foods, right? Mm -hmm. Because so much of it can really just be based off of individuals experiences. Mm -hmm. um, or sometimes it falls into those categories I was speaking of, which would be like spicy foods, gassy foods. Um, or now I'm seeing a lot more of moms being told um, to eliminate dairy from their diets. And that mm. could be something that's, you know, causing their baby to be fussy, which is just so tricky to navigate because and in actuality, we're not seeing as much of that dairy sensitivity as 
physicians are saying we are mm-hmm. and in terms of you know what's causing your baby to be fussy. So um, the short answer is there's no food that you particularly need to avoid unless your baby is having a, a specific response to it. You know, mm-hmm. and in that case, I would say whenever you're eliminating any foods, especially when you're breastfeeding, um, to consult with a dietitian. It doesn't have to be me. That would be great. I would love to help. Mm-hmm. Um, I think someone who works in postpartum is going to have more of that education and resources. However, you know, a dietitian should kind of always go alongside any of those food restrictions because a pattern that I've seen is that I think as moms, we're already so hypervigilant of our babies and their responses. And, you know, once you start eliminating foods, there is like this increased response of like, okay, well, what if they're responding to this food and what if Mm. they're sensitive to this food? And then this is where I see moms where literally I had a mom eating like five foods because she was so panicked about, Mm. I don't want to eat anything that's going to hurt my baby. And I just want to make this better. Mm. Um, But obviously that was really impacting her nutrition and the quality of her breast milk as well. So, um, you know, all that to say, it's really going to depend on your baby. If you have a strong family history of allergies, that's something that we would go through in a nutrition or lactation consultation, um, you know, to see if there are patterns we can pick up on in your intake. But whenever there's kind of a question mark around sensitivity, I would pair it with a dietitian. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, and you know, obviously no one likes to see their baby in distress or crying, but I think a lot of the time, especially with newborns, they cry. Like they sometimes they just cry because they want to. Like there might not necessarily be a link between mum's diet and the baby crying. So yeah, like you said, um, make sure that you're talking to the right people when you're thinking about eliminating something because that might not even be it. It might just be that your baby wants to cry. <laughs> Exactly. And that's such a good point. And I think a really tough part of my role, because as moms, we're so we're like detectives, you know, Mm. and we are experts of our babies. And I think, you know, I kind of have this brain and mindset that's really similar to a lot of moms of like, okay, well, what's the problem? Once I identify the problem, then I, what what do I do to do to fix it? Right. Mm. Um, And there just might not be a a fix for Mm. it. Right. It might be that like, yeah, you, you know, you have a, a very sensitive baby or, um, you know, whatever it might be that can't necessarily be fixed with a diet. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's hard sometimes to like not be able to give it because I think the first place that moms go when something they feel is off with their baby is their diet and mm. because it's something that they can easily control. And newborns as well. I mean, I'm not a doctor or a, an expert, but I know that they're still working on how to navigate their own digestive system. So they have a lot going on, right? They're learning how to poop and how to fart and do all these things that came naturally to them in the womb. And so when they're outside of the womb, you know, I'm, I would get frustrated and upset if I didn't know how to go to the toilets. Yeah. I think it can be a lot more nuanced than just mum's diet. Yep. Absolutely. And you mentioned about allergies. And so I'm interested to know, um, are there, you know, the foods that babies or uh, that toddlers might be 
might become allergic to like should we be introducing those like in early motherhood so like when we're breastfeeding quite early not to the baby I mean to our to ourselves <laughs> right. right like so they can have it through your through yeah. breast milk right? Yes. yes. That's a wonderful question. And, you know, so here in the U.S., the American of Pediatrics is kind of our, our go-to on those recommendations. And their general guideline is that we used to think that if we delayed introducing an allergen to a baby, that it would help, you know, reduce like the severity and onset. But we actually know it's opposite now. So, even in families, and this would be something to certainly, I'm not a pediatrician to consult with your pediatrician on, um, but what we're kind of trained to do and what we found is that actually introducing the allergen earlier has a protective effect. Um, so that could be through the maternal diet during pregnancy or when you're breastfeeding, um, but also you know when you start with solids as well, and maybe you're continuing to breastfeed during that time, you don't actually want to avoid those allergens. Again, depends on the severity and the family history. Um, but for most, you know, it would actually be protective and helpful to introduce it versus delaying or avoiding it. Mm, that's really interesting. Um, I had a question come through on Instagram. Someone asked, um, can you lose weight in postpartum without it affecting milk supply? Mm -hmm. so I would love to hear from you about that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, you know, I spoke to your question of what women come to me about and a huge part of it was weight. And this is the other piece of it is I want to lose weight, but I also don't want it to impact my supply, mm. uh, which is this kind of tricky dance that we do. So is it possible um, that your body will shift during this time of postpartum and during breastfeeding? Absolutely. Um, however, we have to be really careful about me and the frame that I use is I'm never going to ask moms to track their calories or restrict their intake or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, but if you are getting in touch back with your body's cues and we're working on eating, weight loss might be of that depending on, you know, the shift during pregnancy. Um, but for a lot of women, it's a survival tactic to be able to maintain a certain amount of weight while we're breastfeeding because we need to have that energy reserve. Um, our body and our brains, you know, only concern is if it were down to the case of survival, would I have enough energy saved up in my body to be able to feed this baby, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so there is some literature to show that, you know, our, our, let me see, weight is more I'm trying to think of the right words here. Our body's really protective against like retaining that weight in order to preserve breastfeeding. So mm -hmm. usually after a mom is done breastfeeding, then there might be that shift, but that's a little bit about how that works. So it can happen um, working too hard and trying to restrict your diet or calories can really backfire. Mm -hmm. So I don't recommend that at all, but it certainly can happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think especially if, you know, depending on how far into your postpartum journey you are um, and how long you want to breastfeed for, I guess you really need to think about those two things because if it's if you're three months in and you want to breastfeed for 12 months <laughs> then I guess you know you need to have some conversations around how to to reach those breastfeeding goals but also how to look after yourself as well mm -hmm. great 
Um, I would love to talk to you a little bit about your postpartum experience. I know you touched on it briefly um, earlier, but I would love to hear from you about how that sort of, um, how it sort of led to the work that you're doing now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My postpartum experience was, um, I just feel so long ago now. (laughs) (laughs) Cast your mind back because even... Two years ago for me feels like a lifetime. I can't imagine what nine years feels like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it was a really just um, different in terms of of life stage. I was very young. I had a a young, like adult pregnancy. So I was only 19 at the time. I had my daughter when I was being a mom after that. it is um, so different from where we're at now. I have an amazing partner. We're hoping to grow our family soon. And I just imagine it's going to be such a different experience because my postpartum was really just a challenge in terms of how I felt in my body, um, in, you know, my new circumstance as a single mom, not having, um, you know, a partner for that, just support and someone to really walk through that experience with. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I can't say it was all roses just because of the life stage that I was in and the circumstance that I had. But um, I think what I was touching on earlier in terms of having been in recovery um it definitely activated a lot of concerns that I had around my body. And, you know, we found that there is a huge risk during postpartum for individuals who are in recovery from an eating disorder or disordered eating. Um, And just in general, that that postpartum time for women is really risky um, in terms of their nutrition and weight, because there can be so much vulnerability and foreignness in our body. So I did really struggle with just like, this is so different and foreign feeling for me to be in my body. And I have a hard time trusting my body. How am I trusting that? Like, like I'm feeding my baby. Okay. And all of those like vulnerable pieces that kind of come up. So it was definitely vulnerable. And at the same time, I'm really looking forward to, you know, of course the hindsight, right. Of like, Mm -hmm. wow, it's going to be such a different experience even in terms of, my lived experience, but also how I just have information available around them. And how did you go with, um, with breastfeeding? Mm. Yeah, I was able to breastfeed to 10 months. And this was before I, I didn't do my lactation training to be an IBCLC until last year. Mm. Um, but I had done, there's like a different lower level course, um, to be a lactation educator. I did that maybe a year and a half after I had my daughter. And um, I just thought it was such a neat experience. Of course I had been interested in the nutrition prior and breast milk and breastfeeding is like this initial nutrition for your baby. Um, but even now, you know, I think about, I wish I would have known more about how impactful breastfeeding was, right. And what mm-hmm. that had maybe changed my goals. But, um, I think it's part of the counseling that for moms now, which is, I did the best I could with what I had. I mean, I was 20 years old. Yeah. I 
little support. I really did the best that I could. And now I know, I know differently. So that will inform my choice. And, you know, I share that with moms often when they're making decisions around, you know, do I want to exclusively pump? Is it time for me to wean? Um, I'm going back to work. Like, what do I want that to look and feel like? Um, and navigating, you know, I think a lot of us experience guilt, um, but there's a difference between that, like guilt and shame that can all get kind of caught up in breastfeeding. So yeah. feeling really empowered around your decision is what I support moms with. Yeah. And it's so hard. I mean, we have a lot of, we focus a lot on birth, which is so important, but breastfeeding kind of just gets pushed to the side until our baby's here. And then we're like, oh, <laughs> how do yeah. I do this? Like, this is actually quite difficult. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've found for me personally, I had a lot of um, well-intentioned um, midwives and hospital staff sort of giving me tips and ideas and things to try. And I found it really overwhelming. Um, what would you sort of recommend to mums that want to breastfeed? You know, what should they sort of be looking at doing, I guess, while they're pregnant? Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, I would say 100%. And this is almost every mom that I see postpartum is I wish that I would have prepared for breastfeeding while mm -hmm. I was pregnant, right? Yeah. Because we are doing everything to prepare for birth. Um, you know, maybe if you're really ahead of the game, you're even thinking about postpartum, but you might hear breastfeeding is hard. You might hear, um, it's natural. You'll just figure it out. Um, but regardless, neither of those two statements really help you with, okay, here's some different positioning yeah. or here's what the first three days on day three, when you're going to be really engorged and uncomfortable, mm. here's when to call the lactation consultant. Mm. Um, here's when to call the pediatrician. And so really just having that roadmap, even prenatally, I think can help you have such a different experience postpartum, um, you know, depending on what type of birth you have, will you even be able to see a lactation consultant before you get discharged? Do you mm. know, you know, where to call for outpatient so that's something that I help um, put together as part of this prenatal virtual consultation too is, you know, here's all the different kind of pieces to look out for and what to expect and when to call and, and who to call from there. Yeah, I think it's so important to do that sort of education in pregnancy. It's almost like, like we wouldn't drive a car without practicing and getting a license like not that we need a license to breastfeed but like it really is just being like thrown into the deep end and it's like here you go <laughs> here's yeah. the keys <laughs> yes where's the manual, we need yeah. the manual. <laughs> um one thing I've just thought of that I did want to ask you about going back to um the nutrition side of things was how much do you think food and nutrition in postpartum can affect things like uh, postnatal depression? Mm, yes, it's a, a pretty huge relationship, even more than I know or that we have research on yet. Um, like I said, we are learning more and more about postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. And I think now that we know so much more, if we were to go back in retrospect and ask moms, you know, five, 10 years ago, if they felt like they experienced postpartum depression or anxiety, they would probably be like, yes, oh, that's what it was, right? Mm -hmm. Like now they have a little bit more of a name. 
Um, and so with nutrition, there are huge pieces of our nutrition that are really linked to different mood chemicals. Um, there are obviously certain like risk and lifestyle factors that can impact it. So, you know, I, I don't have all the answers yet, but in terms of that relationship, I would say it's extremely strong in terms of how we care for ourselves um, mm -hmm. and support that we have just for our health overall. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please come over and say hi on Instagram. That's where I like to hang out. Uh, my handle is at postpartum underscore with underscore Steph, S-T-E-P-H. That's where I'll be sharing podcast episode updates too. Hope to chat to you soon.